Are you supporting a wellness lifestyle community? What could it do for you? Join us today on Wellness Interactive, a step further, and see how our guests and direction can inspire you to self-empowerment. Now, here is the host of Wellness Interactive, a step further, Desiree Watson. We're very excited today to have uh, with us Mary Luke, who has served over 35 years of senior management uh, experience in women's development and, and writes uh, the programs for women's rights. It's, it's just, I'm overwhelmed because it's difficult in, during this crisis situation to actually engage with uh, an amazing Mary Luke. So Mary has held executive leadership positions in the U.S. and international NGOs and women's health care. Uh, she's opened offices in 20 countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. She has uh, extraordinary expertise in strategic planning, advocacy, fundraising, and uh, events supporting women. Uh, Mary co-led NGO delegations to the International Conference on Population Development in Cairo, Egypt, and the Fourth World Conference on Women in Beijing, China, and was part of NGO CSW New York, uh, Commission on the Status of Women for New York, the planning team for the NGO Forum 2020. And I can go on and on, but I'm going to let her (laughs) share with us because I'm excited to learn uh, all about uh, some of the uh, future engagements uh, that Mary uh, will take on and her organization. She serves on the National Board for UN Women, and she's also uh, the past president of UN Women New York Metro Chapter. So Mary, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Desiree. It's great to be on. Oh, this is uh, such a breath of fresh air to at least uh, speak to someone who can actually speak to us, women. (laughs) So, and I'm not saying that uh, uh, perhaps uh, men cannot, but it certainly is a treat when uh, we have someone who has your expertise expertise and background to uh, lift us up a little. I want to start, Mary, just by um, engaging our listeners with your path for a moment. Just um, give us a little bit of background on your passion for supporting women, because uh, I think that sometimes it's a miss within our community. Not always, but it is a miss. And sometimes we may feel we can't do some of the great things that you have done. And, uh, and, and perhaps not all of us are, are also, you know, we're, we're, we're not prepared maybe. Uh, we've got other things in our lives that we're tapped into. However, there's so many other ways we can support. And I'm eager to hear how you actually um, got involved with um, just supporting and in, in, uh, globally 
women in general and uh, how we can all be that advocate like you. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I have to say it starts with one's family, I think. My parents worked hard. They immigrated from China. Uh, they were four daughters. And I know that if we had been raised in China, we would not have had the opportunities that we had in the United States. And so I was the first to go to college. I went to Boston University in nursing because in those days, one had to either be a nurse or a doctor, I mean, or a teacher, although I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> and um, basically um, really started, you know, working in the health profession. Um, and I think it was when I was about 30, was newly divorced, had a small child that I recognized the importance of having a really, you know, steady job with benefits. And so I started working for a county health department in California. Mm. And the program that I was working in was about preventing teenage pregnancy, wow. which was something that um, in, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, was a, a big problem, mm -hmm. uh, especially among different communities. And so it was really through that experience that I became involved in women's rights and um, ultimately became the president of Planned Parenthood in San Francisco at a time when, you know, clinics were being attacked, uh, demonstrations were everywhere, including in our clinic, which was being threatened. Um, and so I got involved as an advocate at that time for women's reproductive health and rights. And I was then fortunate to be able to build on that experience and be able to do it internationally. So I was just one of the lucky people who had a good start in life um, and then was able to sort of parlay that um, basic experience into an international career, which is you know, been so satisfying and so amazing. Absolutely. Let's uh, speak briefly uh, about women's uh, reproductive rights. This is, and you've been a health advocate for, for many years. So, you know, I often have conversations with business associates, friends, I, I really want to uh, have you speak to the rights of women as it reflects on Planned Parenthood. So, uh, you know, I, I had a conversation once with, where I said, it's not that I'm for abortion, I'm for women's rights. Is, <laughs> can you just elaborate more on what that uh, really means and how Planned Parenthood supports women? Uh, sure. Please. Sure. You know, I think that so many people associate Planned Parenthood only with abortion. And that is so far from, um, you know, uh, so, uh, so wrong. Basically, Planned Parenthood really is all about women being able to make their own choices, their own choices about their families, about when and whether to have children. And the, the, really the core programs of Planned Parenthood is birth control, is family planning, being able to plan the number of children, the spacing of children. It's also about reproductive health. It's about um, 
you know, so many women in the United States, especially their main health provider is a provider at Planned Parenthood. That's where they get the pap smear. That's where they may get testing for sexually transmitted diseases. That's where they get basic health and sex education. Wow. So, you know, Planned Parenthood is really about all of those things, about helping women make the choices that really they should be able to make that affect their own lives. Ah, excellent. Ah, that is so clear, very clear. So let's, um, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> we do need to go here because we're all in it together, COVID-19, mm-hmm. and uh, how it's af- actually affecting all women uh, globally uh, as well. And uh, listen, we, we can, I- I'm sure you can, but we can both go on about uh, how uh, some of the major issues that we may have suffered from in the past, it now has just escalated into an enormous, uh, you know, uh, has an enormous impact on on women in general, like uh, things like violence against women, you know, the social protection for women, uh, the, the healthcare you just addressed, but work, all of these issues, and it's, it's affecting us globally. And I think you all also have a campaign going right now, as always, with a global campaign, uh, Bangladesh, uh, Women in Bang- Bangladesh, which I'm sure you'll speak to. But can you just sort of take us through this, oh, this uh, future of 2021 and uh, maybe perhaps reflect some on 2019 and uh, 2020, rather. Oh, my gosh. See, I, I want to not be here. We all don't know. We here. all would like to erase 2020. <laughs> and it was such a shame because 2020 was the year that we were going to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Declaration um, and Program of Action, which was, you know, really the most important, you know, document that really was to um, promote the progress of women around the world. And really, uh, the, you know, as you know, the UN Women in the Sustainable Development Goals of the UN really centered around gender equality as a right. And so, so many women have been uh, affected by COVID-19. Um, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And in particular, you know, as the Sustainable Development Goal number one, which is about people in poverty, it's expected that 71 million people will be back in extreme poverty by the end of the year, which is really pushes back, you know, the progress that's been made over 20 years. And so many of those people are women. And so much of that's been affected by unemployment, by underemployment. And so many of those people have been women, you know, who have really been, you know, the brunt of this pandemic. In SDG 5, which of course is the um, sustainable development goal for women, specifically women's empowerment and gender equality, you know, we've seen that women have really bared the greatest burdens during the pandemic. 
So many of our first line um, uh, essential workers are uh, women, especially nurses, you know, who are on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And women are also pulling, you know, double, triple duty as unpaid caregivers, as now teachers of their children, uh, while holding down their own jobs, and oftentimes caring for elders as well. Yes. And yes, we've seen a real um, decrease in access to sexual and reproductive health services. Wow. Um, and unfortunately, we've seen a huge rise in domestic violence, which is really um, the, you know, another pandemic. Because right. of the lockdowns, we've seen that domestic violence has increased by about 30% in some countries. Oh and so UN Women really has worked hard to make sure that there are still programs and services out there to help women um, and everywhere, um, including in the United States, of course, where uh, women have suffered from the same problems because right. they've been locked you know, um, in with their um, perpetrators Um, And even after the lockdown, which, of course, has ended in many places, although it's unfortunately beginning again, um, you know, you see the frustration and the tensions that have arise because people have really had the insecurities and the frustrations of not having enough money, not having enough food. And we also see so many children who have really been affected by school closures because basically of the inequalities in technology and access to the internet, for instance. And so really this pandemic has just heightened all of these inequalities. And unfortunately, as you well know, the discrimination mm-hmm. and lack of protection really have especially affected minority, marginalized communities. And in the United States, especially black communities that have been affected two and a half times more likely to die from COVID-19 and certainly, um, you know, have their work and um, other aspects of the lives have really been uh, adversely affected. And so all of those have really hit home as well as around the world. And of course, so many people are hungry. It's expected that 200 million, 270 million people will face acute food insecurity by the end of the year. And that's children everywhere dying. You know that in New York where I'm located, we have food lines that are just around the corner every day. Children who used to get their food from schools are not able to do that on a regular basis now. So, you know, food insecurity has again been a really major problem. So, you know, those are just a few of the problems. We know that climate change has been very much adversely affected and the progress that was about to be made is, is really been hamstrung now. So if, uh, oh, geez, that's, uh, oh, thank you. That's, uh, uh, it's a challenge for globally, of course, but it's definitely a challenge right here at home. Uh, if you had maybe two or three initiatives that uh, you would like us all to support immediately, what, what would this be? What would this look yeah, like? Yeah, thank you. Well, you know that um, UN Women, as, as soon as the, the pandemic hit, UN Women turns its focus 
specifically to uh, the COVID-19 response. And of course, over their year, and can you believe it's been almost a year now? Right. Uh, has really focused on building. I know. Oh my gosh. Horrible. I know. So the focus has really been on how to build back better. So that some of these inequities, which, you know, the pandemic has really raised a profile that they can be addressed too, because going back to normal is not what we really need. We need to really able to go back to a new um, version uh, and to be able to make a lot more progress towards gender equality in the process. Mm. So, you know, you and women's really focused on a couple of main strategies. Uh, one is gender-based violence. It mm. has to be because of the severe pandemic. And um, so some of the things that you and women is focused on around the globe now mm. is number one, the prevention and awareness raising, because people actually need to understand that this is a problem that exists and then how to prevent it. And a lot of prevention really is about attitudes and behaviors mm-hmm. and also about raising young men uh, you know, to respect women. So it's really intergenerational and making sure that the media understands how to portray uh, women um, in various uh, roles um, and not only in a sexualized way. So mm-hmm. prevention and awareness is so important. Um, but that's a longer-term goal as well as a short-term one. Immediately, access to essential services is critically important. I'm so pleased to see that hotlines are still open. So, so many of the uh, women's organizations and NGOs working in this field of domestic violence have had to go online like everybody else, but they're still able to provide counseling, you know, to people who need them. And shelters remain open as as much as possible. Of course, they gotta be secure, uh, but, you know, funding is being raised to, so that shelters can remain open. Oh. And, you know, women's groups and NGOs working in this area are so important. You know, they have to, because they're trustworthy, Mm-hmm. Um, because they're local, you know, in every community or hopefully in every community, you can find a women's group or an NGO that's working in this area. And women reaching out to help other women is really, really so yes. important. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the sort of important ways that you and women is focused on addressing gender based violence. Social protection. I'm sorry, did you have a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Yeah, social protection and obviously economic stimulus package is so important. Obviously for everybody, but especially for women, because we know that women have disproportionately lost their jobs, especially in the U.S. More women have lost their jobs than men. More women have quit their jobs because they could not, you know, handle being, uh, you know, all the duties that they had to take on, including being, again, the teachers of their children, as well as taking care of um, being the main caretaker, taking care of their elderly parents in many cases, mm-hmm. uh, working from home. And so we really see a long-term impact now on women's um, economic development in, in really in every country. So really the focus needs to be on at least some short-term initiatives. Um, 
you know, in many countries, women have had to leave their jobs because garment factories, for instance, have closed. Um, They no longer have an opportunity to even earn a menial, you know, wage. Uh, So there are programs to uh, give cash transfers for for women to build skills. And this is one of the programs that the UN Women Program in Bangladesh has. There's also more support needed to women entrepreneurs and women-owned enterprises in all countries, including in our country. Um, Yeah, that's so critically important. You know, women's entrepreneurs have just never had enough funding to begin with. Uh, But women-owned businesses, especially in the U.S. minority, black women-owned businesses, so critical, but they need a hand. They need to be able to have some economic, um, you know, resources to be able to continue. We know that so many businesses, small businesses have closed around the verge of closing, and that's what economic stimulus packages need to be able to provide is is a, you know, really a buffer to be able to help these businesses continue. So skills building, you know, and in the long run, getting women into occupations and professions where, you know, they basically are able to earn more than, frankly, being a domestic worker in the salary, um, you know, um, and having access, yeah, having access to technology and skills and technology is so important in that. I'm sorry, you were going to ask a question. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to interrupt, but the uh, the skills uh, set, you know, that whole mindset of, of teachers, now the, the everyone mm-hmm. is now understanding how valuable teachers are and the salaries, how low the salaries have been throughout the country. So maybe there should mm-hmm. be an assessment Throughout, you know, the, the various industries of, uh, of women uh, and essential workers, you know. Uh, yes. Because we take so much for granted and we should not. Yeah. We, if we don't come out of, of this year understanding the value of just work in, in women or in, in, in minorities and, you know, people that are on the front lines as essential workers, allowing us to move every day of our lives and not have to think about uh, some of the things that are, are fairly simple to us, like the grocery store, you know. Yes, uh, yes. All of these, uh, uh, or, or, or people, you're in New York. It's These people take trains and buses and, yeah, you know it. It it just hurts me so much. It hurts my heart because they don't drive. So larger cities, they're going to be exposed. So we need to do more. We need to support more, and we need to have campaigns uh, as uh, UN Women does uh, throughout the year. You know, major campaigns and. The campaign that uh, you have now in Bangladesh, do you have or do you see a campaign like this working in locally almost immediately or in the near future? You have a campaign that's running now. Um, yes, yes. And that campaign is for a special group of women who were uh, migrant workers So these were women who went to other countries. And so from Bangladesh, they would go to the Gulf Coast or to Lebanon, you know, they 
because a lot of work, uh, there's a lot of work in the Middle East um, for both women and men. And that's really was one of the big sources of income for people in Bangladesh. So because of the pandemic, most of them lost their jobs because there were no more jobs, you know, to be had anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so people started sending the, um, you know, these women back home to Bangladesh where they also didn't have jobs because of the, both the lockdown, but also there was discrimination. There was, yeah. you know, they were poor, they were hungry. They just couldn't find jobs. And so you, when women developed a project to support these returning women migrant workers and ba basically gave them an opportunity to develop some skills, in this case, sewing, um, gave them some of them sewing machines. But the most important thing is that they gave them an opportunity to make masks for other women. Oh, I love this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it was a mask making project so that the poor people in Bangladesh could actually be safer, you know, with a mask. And then they were able to to distribute these masks. So this was a project that, you know, has been going on for maybe nine months or so, and they needed money to keep it going. And so this campaign is to raise about $50,000 so that they could keep the program going and reach more women and more workers in the next year, because, you know, this group is still going to need help, even at, hopefully even after the pandemic gets a little bit, you know, into a recession. And so, yeah, that's one of the programs that's really, you know, it's really to help women develop um, skills um, and be able to just, you know, keep their families fed, you know, for at least another, you know, few months. And hopefully with additional skills, they'll be able to, when the garment industries, for instance, come back and when other jobs come back, they'll be able to qualify for those jobs and won't have to go overseas again. Because, you know, when they do, they, they leave their families, they leave their children wow. in order to be able to earn a basic income. I, I love the support that uh, you and women are doing all over the world. Uh, can you tell us uh, how we can support and donate and where to do all of this? Oh, great. Thank you. Well, um, first of all, I'm with UN Women USA, which is a nonprofit organization. And our job, our role is to raise money for UN Women programs, which are in 100 countries. So if you go to our website, which is UN Women USA, you will find, um, you know, the way to donate to this project. Also, you have a, a video, an amazing yes. video. It's so powerful. I think it's also on your LinkedIn page, your Twitter, yes. Facebook. So yes. Yes. tell us how to uh, view this incredible video. Please, sure. please view this video. Listeners, you will not be disappointed. It's absolutely fabulous. It's, it's a great video about UN women at 10 and all of the, you know, the accomplishments. Um, you know, surprisingly, UN women is just 10 years old, but that's because before that time, there were like four entities which were supporting uh, women, you know, in, in different spheres. So now there's one entity at the UN, which really is the main entity supporting um, gender equality and women's empowerment. So if you just go to UN Women, 
you will be able to find that resource. Um, I actually have to look up um, the sort of UN Women at 10 video. I have to get that to and you. And I'm sure it's, it's on uh, the website. It's definitely on our website, UN yeah. Women USA, and from there you'll find all sorts of references. But yes, we actually had an annual meeting uh, in October. So there's a summary of the annual meeting and there is the reference to the uh, interview that we conducted with the country representative of Bangladesh and also the website, the uh, um, link to that article on UN Women at 10. So you'll be able to find that all on UN Women USA. Perfect, perfect. So any last thoughts on the future? What do you see 2021 and beyond? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. You know, what I hope we can do, I hope that UN Women will be able to pick up you know, all of the efforts um, and the strategies that it had developed for 2020 in <laughs> um, celebration of Beijing Plus 25. Mm-hmm. And you and women had launched a new campaign called Generation Equality, mm. Realizing Women's Rights for an Equal Future. Beautiful. And that uh, campaign will be relaunched in the next um, Commission on the Status of Women, which is in March of 2021. And what Generation Equality is a campaign that brings together the next generation of women's rights activists, which is so important. It will bring the young, younger people together with us older people who were yeah, in Beijing. Yes, intergenerational, because we have to hand down the torch, right? We have to yeah. get this next generation to be changed, you know, to really, really develop their leadership and their voice to promote progress for gender equity in the future. So there will be the Generation Equality Campaign, there'll be a two forum. Um, one forum, which will be in Mexico City um, in March, and then one in Paris in June. And these will be NGO, um, civil society-centered forums with multi-stakeholders. And it will be like a global gathering for people who are promoting gender equality. So those will be really exciting. To, yes. you know, because they will be virtual as well as to yeah. some extent, I suppose, you know, in person. And the most important thing is that we need to set the agenda for the next decades. Yes. And oh. so having, and we need to raise money for yes. to support this agenda. <laughs> and so getting all these okay. partners together, uh-huh. you know, including policymakers, private sector, yeah. NGOs, feminists, young people, they all need to be together to really discuss and agree on the agenda for the next generations so that we can really achieve this long-term goal of gender equality. I love it. And that's 2021. We just are praying that we will Uh, get there. Yes. (laughs) It will be a better year. Well, I'll tell you, I will definitely think about 2021, December 31st. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I'll think about you and women. Uh, I mean, just uh, uh, summarizing all of the great things that uh, you're focused on for the future 
it's exciting. So this is what I will definitely think about on December 31st. You know, I don't want to be that person. What it, 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 They usually say what you're doing coming, bringing in the new year is what you're going to do for the whole year. So I don't want to think about anything bad. I'm going to think about all these great things that uh, you and women and all the other women are doing. So we need to listen to that and uh, be excited about it. March and June. I look forward. Yes. To yes, indeed. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and uh, sharing on such a beautiful note for the future. Love it. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, I would love to have you back uh, anytime. Please, please come and share. And perhaps it it could be uh, in March. Uh, Of course, that's... Oh, that'd be fun. (laughs) Yes. We can celebrate International Women's Day together in the beginning of the Commission on the Status of Women. That would be fun. Perfect. And maybe we'll just open it up to the world and to a whole Zoom, <laughs> Zoom uh, that would thousands of women uh, in commenting and just uh, to show up and support each other. So uh, oh, that would be very cool. Yes. It's something to look forward to. Thank you again, Mary. Mary Luke, we have been speaking with Mary Luke, the incredible, awesome Mary Luke. And I can say that because I actually have worked with her. She's absolutely (laughs) awesome. (laughs) So uh, tune in. Hopefully in March, we'll have Mary back again. But please, please support you and women and support. They have uh, the the fundraiser for Bangladesh uh, ending on December 31st. So please, if you can, uh, donate. And I'm speaking to some of the women-owned uh, owned businesses out there that are blessed to still be alive and doing well. Please support you and women. And tune in on Friday all over the world to hear uh, again this uh, great uh, conversation with Mary Lou. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Wellness Interactive, a step further. Please tune in for our next program on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another great show featuring your host, Desiree Watson.